talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. KoreaFM.net. I'm Chance Dorland, and welcome to the Marmot's Hole Podcast, brought to you by KoreaFM.net, an online radio station featuring independent musicians and original podcast content from the Korean Peninsula. I'm joined each week, of course, by Robert Kohler, a magazine editor here in Seoul, who for years operated the Marmot's Hole blog on rjkohler.com. Today, we're back to discussing a North Korea-related topic, uh, the guilty verdict and sentencing of American auto warm beer. And also, on a lighter note, we'll be talking about Korea's uh, not new interest, but I guess maybe renewed interest in artificial intelligence after the go match between Google and South Korean Lee Se-dol. So, Robert, uh, not a lot of time on this recording. Let's just uh, jump right into the topic. Two topics today. The first one, as I mentioned, we're talking about auto warm beer. Uh, The Cavalier Daily at the University of Virginia, which is the 21 year old's uh, school, he's a commerce major there, reports that after originally being detained by the North Korean government back on January 2nd for stealing, now we know, for stealing a banner featuring propaganda promoting former leader Kim Jong-il at the Yonggakdo International Hotel. He's now been sentenced to 15 years of, quote, hard labor, though um, the Cavalier does note that this type of situation has also played out with many other American detainees in the North who were all subsequently released. Um, We've talked about this before. Uh, My position is that we really need to reassess the fact that Americans are allowed to travel there. And um, this is something that the this story kind of focused on and uh, discussed the fact that travel to North Korea is actually increasing at this time. Warm Beer traveled to North Korea with Young Pioneer Tours, which is a group that markets itself as providing, quote, budget tours to destinations your mother would rather you stayed away from. And that slogan is, of course, fitting as the U.S. State Department currently advises against traveling to North Korea, but it is not illegal. It doesn't ban it. Um, Perhaps if a couple more of these things happened, that might change. Uh, So, Rob, what are your thoughts on this? Did you see this uh, coming down the pipeline? Was this a little uh, bit of a surprise for you? Um, A surprise? No. I mean, there's a reason why uh, your mother doesn't want to travel to places like this. Um, I think I think we've mentioned before on this podcast that, um, y- you know, it, you really need to think twice before you go to North Korea. I mean, the, the danger aside, and to be honest, um, as long as you keep, you know, on your best behavior, the chances of something, you know, untowards happening to you in North Korea is relatively low. I know people, I know quite a few people that have been to North Korea and they've generally had good experiences there. I know people that have been there multiple times. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, there's also, you know, there's moral issues. I mean, to be honest, look, I don't have a problem with people traveling to dictatorships per se, even though I think North Korea is pretty much in a, in a league all its own. The the thing that I, I kind of, I find somewhat creepy about the idea of going to North Korea is, a lot of people seem to be going because, you know, it's so different from the rest of the world. Well, it's, it's so different from the rest of the world, really. You know, people want to see it and, you know, people want to, you know, experience what it's like in this, you know, this this country that's, you know, for lack of a better weird a word, is this weird society that's, you know, you know, been, you know, cut off from the rest of the world um, comes pretty close to, I guess, what you would call poverty porn. You know, people who 
go to different countries to see, you know, you know, experience the, you know, the hardships of people or, you know, take in the poverty or whatnot. It's like, why, you know, North Korea is the way it is for a reason. It's not something that I think, you know, somebody should get off, you know, people should get off experiencing, right? Um, but that being the case, people do, though. I understand that. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea. I mean, okay, a lot of the people that I know that have been to North Korea go because they have an interest in Korean affairs. That I understand, right? Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of dictatorships in the world. I know a lot of people have been to Burma, for example. But the people that I know who have been to Burma, you know, they don't go there to check out, oh, let's take a look at this society that's, you know, ruled by, you know, a, a military hunter. They go there because there are wonderful sights to see in Burma. Now, there are wonderful sites to see in North Korea, too, that I hope one day to be able to see. But generally speaking, the kind of tourism that I see going up there doesn't seem to be, oh, let's go and check out Pekdusan or let's see, go check out the highlands up there. It's uh, more of, oh, let's go check out, you know, you know, this 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 weird society that we've heard about. Um, and like I said, it's just getting your rocks off, you know, checking out you know, the suffering of the North Korean people. Um it just doesn't seem like it's not my sort of thing. Um, but like I said, you know, there's people who go to all sorts of weird places. Right. So I wouldn't advise going to North Korea. Um, but yeah, I guess people do. Um, now, as I was saying before, with the danger thing, most people who go to North Korea, um, you know, everybody I know has came back safe. Um, yeah. There are incidents where people do get caught or do get, you know, they get, end up getting detained uh, for the most part, especially if you're white uh, and American, you're, you know, you'll probably come through OK and see, you know, pretty much nothing other than the uh, inside of your hotel room. Uh, if you're Korean American, uh, your chances of doing uh, time or, you know, experiencing severe unpleasantness goes up. But uh as long as you're well-behaved, you're unlike, um, nothing is likely to happen to you. That said, North Korea is a very, 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 very bad place to do the frat boy thing. Well, so, Rob, you're, you know, you're a professional here in Seoul. You've lived here uh, many years. Um, I'm not sure if professional is what I dis- what I, how I describe myself. People but. would describe you as a professional. Whether or not you would say that while looking in the mirror is another item. But you mentioned you know, some of these sites you hope to one day see. I don't see you stealing a poster or doing something else that would get you detained. Uh, as you mentioned, white American. I mean, so why, why have you not gone to North Korea yet? You seem like you would have interest and it would be a, a, at least a, an enlightening trip without anything, you know, happening that would take away from the experience. Why have you not gone? Yeah, honestly, I, you know, there are, there are plenty of other dictatorships in the world I'd rather give my money to. So you don't want your money going to support the regime? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to give my money to that regime. Um, I really can't see things freely. I mean, even if I went to, for example, Iran, and I really hoped one day to go to Iran, you know, even under the current regime, I'm probably likely to be able to, you know, wander around gardens and wander around, you know, uh, historical sites without, you know, being chaperoned. Um yeah, it's you know what. One day I'll just take a bus up there, and uh, and I'll feel a lot better about it. Uh, that being said, I have actually been to Pectusan. 
you know, from the Chinese side. And it is, it is an impressive sight. So one day you hope to go, uh, you, You've just you've just talked about all the things that uh, you shouldn't be doing there, and and how you know what your background is can define whether or not you might have an issue or not. But you know anyone, no matter their nationality or their looks, if they had gotten caught in the same situation as this twenty-one year old University of Virginia student, um, may have ended up in, in the same situation. So. Um, Trying to, I, I actually went to a, a recent um, conference here. I was actually at the National Assembly just this last weekend. I went to a, a, a an event um, that had to do with North Korea, um, did some reporting on that. And one of the things that I ended up talking with someone uh, outside during a break was that it's almost not even a good idea to try to make predictions related to North Korea because when you look at the experts making predictions, they're almost always wrong. Um, but that being said, there have been quite a few people who have been detained. Um, for the most part, something has happened that led to their release. You can look into some things that have happened multiple times, like a high profile person coming. But I think we've talked about that before. That doesn't necessarily always have to be the case. Uh, what do you see happening to this 21 year old who's been sent to 15 years of hard labor? Um, obviously, that can't happen, right? Yeah, judging from past precedent, I would say, yeah, that's very likely that, you know, somebody high ranking is going to go to North Korea and, uh, you know, um, bring them home. Uh, you know, like I said, um, as you said before, you, you really can't make predictions with North Korea, but yeah, my guess is he'll be fine. And so does that not change anything? Do you, I mean, we're just going to keep, you know, having the U S state department tell people that they don't want them to go there, but it's still going to be allowed. You're still going to have, um, these types of groups like young pioneers tours, just bringing people, um, either because they have an interest in North Korea or because, you know, some sort of danger seeking or poverty, um, seeking experience that you've already mentioned. I mean, this was the situation now, but this has happened previously. I mean, this specific instance of someone, you know, trying to steal something and basically getting caught something they shouldn't have done really stupid, you know, maybe he was going to sell it or something, but, um, you know, dumb things happen and people, there's a whole show locked up abroad. Um, do you think this is just a drop in the pond and nothing's going to change? This is nothing. Well, who knows? I mean, you know, um, there's very little the United States can do to prevent its nationals from going to places that it doesn't want to go. It doesn't want them to go. Uh, well, I mean, they could make us, they could make it so you can't, I mean, they can't stop you, but they could, put something behind that. I mean, we weren't supposed to go to Cuba for how long? Right. But people still went. Yeah. But it was on paper. You can't stop people from speeding, but you can tell them not to, and you can have consequences for that action. True. But I mean, ultimately there's only so much that you can do. You can't once, once, once Americans are outside the, the borders, I mean, you can try to stop them from, you know, using their credit card, for example, in uh, particular countries or, you know, um, you know, make it difficult for them to do, you know, transactions of any sort. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to go, you're going to go like, you know, look, you know, I mean, as you pointed out, you know, we, we prevented our nationals from going to Cuba. You know, we told them not to go to Cuba for, for shit, you know, uh, decades, but you know, people still went through Canada or went through Mexico. Um, yeah, with North Korea, I mean, look, you know, once you're in China, you know, as long as the North Koreans are uh, willing to let Americans in, um, yeah, I mean, there's you know, not much you can do. Um, and as far as, you know, whether incidents like this are going to continue, yeah, um, my guess is, yeah, because most people, you know, Americans or anybody, most people who travel to North Korea are generally well behaved. They know what, you know, they know what the deal is and they know this is not a country you generally want to, you know, fuck around in. But 
within any given population, especially if you're dealing with young people, there's going to be a handful of people who are going to misbehave. You know, that's just, you know, numbers. And, uh, yeah, eventually, you know, you know, for every, I don't know, a hundred, you know, people are perfect. You know, a hundred Americans who are well-behaved when they go to North Korea, you're going to get a guy like this. who's going to get drunk and pull the, uh, you know, forget that he's not a UVA. Beautiful campus, by the way. Very beautiful campus. <laughs> I've never been there. But, I, I, uh, I think I'm not sure if I mentioned this. That's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Yeah, I think you mentioned that before when we were talking yeah. about this. I, yeah, it's where you, I, you get architecture rain, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Architecture rain, man. O- old reference. I'm not sure if people are going to get that uh, here in the future. Uh, but I'm sure we'll talk about this later on. We had a nice break where we didn't talk about North Korea for at least one episode, but then uh, it came roaring back. Um, second topic here, very different. Um, not North Korea at all. Uh, A lot of people reported this, but specifically I'm looking at a report from Nature talking about Google's artificial intelligence program that beat South Korean professional Lee Se-dole in the ancient board game Go. And uh, of course, this not only shocked the world, but uh, specifically here in South Korea, people were really taken back by you know, such a resounding loss. He, he was able I like to- that term, by the way, oh, ancient, ancient board game of Go. Does anybody ever say the ancient board game of chess? Does anybody ever say that? Oh, well, I think because <laughs> this is a Western audience. So I guess the ancient board game. Yeah, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> decent point. Decent point. A little, a little, you know, a little, a little bit of Orientalism. Never heard anybody. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you to call that out, Rob. That's why we do the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice that, that Lee was able to get the one victory, but it was quite handy. Uh, over on the side of Google. Um, but actually, a little history was made even before this. Last year, the program um, became the first machine to beat a human player, but of course, 33-year-old Lee, one of the world's top players, so was seen as a much more formidable opponent. Um, after that loss took place, the headlines were very quick to come out with the second part of the story, that South Korea is now investing more than before in artificial intelligence technology. Nature reports that back on March 17th, while, quote, scrambling to respond to the success of Google DeepMind's world-beating Go program AlphaGo, South Korea announced it will invest $863 million U.S. million in AI research over the next five years. Nature says the announcement shocked the Korean public, stoking actually widespread concern over the capabilities of artificial intelligence, as well as a spate of newspaper headlines worrying that South Korea was falling behind in such a crucial growth industry, which, of course, you know, Korea is known as a technology hub. So not something they want to fall behind, especially, you know, after getting beat by Google. President Park also had some talking points on this. She announced the formation of a council that will provide recommendations to overhaul the nation's research and development process to enhance productivity and emphasized that, quote, artificial intelligence can be a blessing for human society and also called it the fourth industrial revolution, adding that, quote, above all, Korean society is ironically lucky that thanks to the AlphaGo shock, we have learned the importance of AI before it's too late. Um, I believe, as we mentioned uh, on a previous episode, Rob, you kind of went a little ape shit over um, some virtual reality stuff that was going on with Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. So it seems that you're into to at least certain types of technology. Um, so what are your thoughts on this? Uh, do you think, you know, Korea is going to make some big advances now? Is this just, you know, trying to cover up for the big loss? Where, where do you think this is going to go? Um, what kind of impact that has, I don't know. Um, I do know that the Institute for Information and Communications Technologies promotion, um, which is one of the major, uh, uh, you know, think tanks 
here that deal with with IT. Um, they recently did a study um, and on you know cr- where Korea is globally in terms of uh, uh, I you know AI technology. I'm just gonna guess um, from all the reporting that I've done, Korea is a hardware hub, but not a software hub. So I'm guessing they're not as high as they would like to be. Exactly. Um, if you have the United States at 100 points, uh, Korea is at 75, and they estimate that means they put some about four years back. Uh, Japan is at 89.3, which is about a year, 1.1 years back. Uh, China is a little bit behind Korea um, in terms of AI technology. Um, now, as you pointed out, yeah, the government's announced it's going to be sinking a lot of this uh, – uh, a lot of money into developing it, but uh, you know, we people at you know people at major uh, research centers that deal with AI here uh, think that you know what's really needed is you need to have sustained investment in 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 the AI sector. You, you, you know, the government thinks well, they're afraid that the government thinks that if they pour a lot of money into it, they're going to get short term results, and they're like, AI doesn't work that way. Google, for example, has been you know investing in AI for the last decade, right? So, in Korea, you know, if Korea is going to be successful in the AI sector, what they really need is sustained investment in the sector. And as you pointed out, um, Korea so far has been very, very good in terms of uh, hardware. You know, which sunk a lot of investment into you know R and D in the hardware side of things but on the software side it's been the re, you know the results have been less impressive yeah we, um, we talked about this a lot when we discussed the innovative economy during that episode the idea that you know something happens korea is going to make it better that maybe they'll figure out a way to make it cheaper they'll advance it but they might not come up with that original idea well it's not so much that it's just that you know for example um part of it has to do with the structure of the economy um now, one one researcher I was uh, I was reading recently pointed out that uh, you know on the software side of things, you know the Korean software market makes only up of uh, about one or two percent of the worldwide software market, and not a single Korean company software company has made it into the global top hundred. And a lot of this is due to the you know the fact that Korea has a chaebol centric economy, which doesn't leave a lot of breathing space for small and medium sized companies that. You know, in other countries, for example, in the United in, you know in the United States, a lot of your software development is done by small and medium sized companies. Um, you know, in Korea, you don't have the same type of synergy between the large you know your, your large conglomerates and 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 the small and medium sized companies. So, um, a lot of people talk when when people, at least when researchers here, when they're talking about you know how do you boost the software side of things. A lot of you know, mentioned that you, you need to create more breathing space for, you know, venture, you know, you know, uh, startups and, you know, small and medium sized companies so that, you know, you get more creativity involved. Um, you know, you have, you know, more people doing more things. Right. Um, you know, that being said, you know, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, but, um, I generally found that when, you know, when Korea does decide to make uh, a particular sector a priority and it starts pouring R&D, you know, it starts pouring funds into R&D in that particular sector, it does tend to get results. So 
we'll see how this goes. And certainly, um, I, you know, the current government anyway has set up, you know, you know, I think we've discussed this on the podcast before, you know, creativity, uh, creative economy centers where they have, you know, major companies, you know, creating, you know, essentially incubators for, you know, startups and small and medium sized companies, you know, so they you try to get them to work together again, you know, whether that's, going to bear fruit in the long term or whether even those centers will last in the long term or, you know, whether they'll, they'll die off when this administration comes to an end, we'll have to see. So, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, certainly, you, you know, the government, not just government, but also large companies. I know that Samsung, LG and Hyundai are all now in neighbor for that matter, are all pumping money now into um, uh, AI development. I think uh, Samsung and LG have now put together their own teams dedicated to it but you know again one of the things of uh one of the one of the articles i read noted that i think there may be only maybe 50 or so people who specialize in ai in korea it's not that lot it's not that many and uh again one of the uh the heads of one of the software research uh, software uh policy research centers here noted that um a lot of the guys who specialize in that sort of thing are actually working in sectors that are not ai related and a lot of them are saying you know screw this we're gonna go you know work for google or amazon (laughs) right um so you know keeping you know those keeping your special ai specialists working in korea for korean companies you know they might have to work a little bit at that you know again we'll see now the ai you know the, the ai thing in korea it's not just you know, in terms of the impact that the the Isaidol, uh, you know, deep mind uh, match has had, it's not just been, you know, okay, the government's taking the AI sector seriously now. A lot of uh, the commentary that you've seen on it here is, you know, has to do with the impact that AI technology is going to have on the on on the society in the future. Um, there's been a lot of concern about that. That you know, between the robotics and the AI a lot of people are going to be put out of work that you're going to start to see a lot of automation in a lot of sectors of the economy. Um, I think one recent poll came back uh, with uh, two out of three, you know, workers here thinking that AI is going to replace a a large portion of their work. What what do you think about that though? I mean, in America, you think of like robotics, you know, like an assembly line or something like I, I, I think it's from Roger and me. Uh, I'm a uh, Michael Moore fan, right. um, and I remember there's. You uh, would Ro- be. <laughs> how, how dare you? Yeah. Uh, not everything Michael Moore has has made, you know, has become gold. But he he has made some excellent films, and, and I really want to see his new film. Uh, where are we going to invade next? I'm sure I'll, I'll eventually, you know, see that it, it's gotten some good reviews. Um, but be that as it may, well, the reason I bring this up is because I believe in Roger and Me. There's a scene where it talks about. Um, this like sort of like museum or something that opened uh, in Michigan that was trying to like celebrate the auto industry while all the jobs are going away. And they had this um, this like ex- exhibit you could go to where it was a, a a robotic worker, you know, it was kind of like you go to like a Chuck E. Cheese and they have those robots that sing songs. So it was a worker singing a song called Me and My Buddy and his buddy was the robot that was basically like, you know, replacing jobs to sort of like turn the the idea around that these robots are bad and they're taking away workers' jobs. Um, that's a stereotype. And I think that you could 
find a lot of, you know, facts to back up the idea that jobs have been lost to robotization in, in the industry. But, you know, that's the way it's going. And it's probably not a, something that you can easily get around. But I can't think of any instances that I've ever heard of where artificial intelligence has taken someone's job. Is that just a little bit of um, a stretch? That doesn't seem like something very likely. Well, I mean, you know, it's still very early in the de- in, in AI development, so we don't know exactly what kind of impact it's going to have on the society. We know from past experience with technology development in general, you know, I mean, if you look back to what people were saying during the Industrial uh, Revolution, for example, or you know later with uh, with development of computer technology, that there was a lot of concern that um, yeah that eventually mankind would become redundant, that everything would be automated and nobody would have jobs. Um, it didn't work out like that. Obviously, you know, I mean, it's you know technology can certainly kill certain professions. It can kill certain industries, um, but at the same time, it also creates new ones. You know, uh, it opens up, you know, new possibilities in the economy. I'm just um, saying that, right. you know, AI, sure, one day might, you know, take a job or two or it might take lots of jobs. It just seems that, I don't know, call me someone who's not looking in the future, you know, with a, a very clear lens. But that seems far off. Possibly. But again, we don't know because just because it worked out that way in the past doesn't mean necessarily it'll work that way in the future. I know uh, one of the one Korean publisher just released a uh, Korean translation of uh, Martin Ford's uh, "The Rise of the Robots: Technology and the Threat of a Jobless Future," and I think one of the points he makes is, "Yeah, look, um, in the past maybe uh, technology has led to you know job creation, or you know it's." You know, it hasn't had that kind of dramatic impact on 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 the working population. But again, it doesn't necessarily have to work out that way. Um, and I know some of the things he's been talking about is, you know, uh, creating a guaranteed basic income so that, you know, not just so that people you know, can survive, but also to keep the economy afloat because, you know, if you put a lot of people out of jobs and they're not buying anything and that eventually kills the economy, right? So, you know, again, I, you know, everything's too, it's still too early to tell how this is going to go. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, already the government's taking a look at, you know, the impact, and not just the Korean government, but governments everywhere are taking a look at, the impact these technologies are going to have. And, yeah, there are certain professions in particular, you know, ones that are, you know, repetitive, uh, ones that are basically just, you know, repetitive manual labor um, or, you know, repetitive, not just manual labor, but things like accounting and, you know, uh, tax services. Um, I Actually, in Korea, the uh, Korea Employment Information Service recently uh, commissioned a study um, to figure out which, you know, which professions are uh, likely to uh, be automated in the future. And, uh, yeah, a lot of it's, you know, pretty much what you expect. Uh, you know, uh, you, people who work with concrete, for example, butchers and uh, people who work in uh, slaughterhouses, um, certain, you know, repetitive office jobs, um, uh, garbage people. Um you know, jobs like that are, there's a strong likelihood that they may be automated in the future. Uh, whereas um, people who work in the cultural professions 
are likely to keep their jobs. It, that's very unlike those professions, for example, uh, painters, writers, sculptors, photographers, uh, animators, dancers, singers. Um, those people are, it's unlikely that their jobs are going to be automated. That being said, um, I'm not sure if you saw this news, but over in Japan, a novel uh, that was uh, co-written by uh, an artificial intelligence computer uh, passed a screening for the uh, Hoshi Shinichi Award, which is a uh, Japanese science fiction novel contest. That seems, I mean, I would have to learn more about that, but that seems advanced. I'll go ahead and say that sounds pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, even the people in the cultural professions might, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we might, uh, we, we, you know, we might have something to worry about. Although again, in this case, what happened was, um, um, the stories were created in coordination with humans and computers, uh, humans setting up the plots, characters, sex, of the characters, etc., And the AI writing the sentences by choosing appropriate words and paragraphs. Um, that's courtesy to Donna Ilbo, by the way, the English edition. So, ah, well that, I mean, that, that just sounds like, I mean, of course that sounds like, you know, give, give a pre-programmed, you know, set of guidelines to something and they'll do something. I mean, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm making too much of this, but I think we're a little ways off. Um, no, I do too. And also, you know, with photographers, yeah, I don't think uh, we're going to be put out, you know, the iPhone will put us out of a job before uh, Skynet, you know, uh, does. So. Oh, Skynet. Yeah. That's nice. Ooh, I'm a big yeah. fan of, uh, I was, I guess we'll finish with the side note. I was really disappointed that they didn't um, go forward with another Terminator. I hear that the, Maybe within the last six months, I read something about how the, the next Genesis type film was uh, shot down and no more of that. So probably no more Arnold Schwarzenegger in, uh, in Terminator. Yeah, he's getting a bit old for that anyway, isn't he? Did you see that last film? I really liked it. I thought it was fine. Uh, remind me, who was in I'm that? I'm guessing you did not see that film. No, I, I, the last one I saw was with uh, was Christian Bale. No, 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 no. This was, um, uh, so Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't really in that Christian Bale one. There was like this small cameo, but not really. The Terminator Genesis had um, Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. She played Sarah Connor. It was a whole new timeline that was a little weird, and a lot of people complained that it didn't actually match up with some of the other films, but, you know, it's all time travel, so who's to say what actually would happen, you know, if anything like that occurred. Uh, I'm nerding out a little bit, but I like Terminator. I thought Terminator Genesis was fine, and uh, I was a little disappointed to see that that wasn't uh, wasn't going to continue. But as you just mentioned, maybe we could program some sort of AI program to write the next screenplay and see where that goes. Yeah, there's a possibility, right? Maybe the Japanese are doing it. Oh, yeah, the Japanese version of Terminator. Yeah, they uh, would. Yeah. <laughs> they would. We'll leave it at that. Uh, always good to talk with you, Rob. As I mentioned, uh, a little shorter than uh, some of our other episodes. So we'll call it quits for this one, and uh, we'll speak again next week. All right. Well, see you next week.